Hello and welcome to the TLDR Show, a podcast where I distill the knowledge of books just for you. I'm your host Abdurrahman and I'm very excited to have you with me. For today's episode, we continue our series on creativity. In the last book, we covered The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. We talked about what's resistance, its characteristics and symptoms. We learned how we can defeat it by turning pro and got to know the angels and mooses. Today, we will start Austin Cleon's Still Like an Artist trilogy. Just like how the war of art was broken down into three sections, defining the enemy, turning pro, and beyond resistance, this trilogy has a similar structure. The first book will give us the needed tools to start. The second book will be about using these tools to create something we love. And the final book will set us to start our journey, in a way beyond our horizons. I read these books when I was deciding whether I should be making this podcast or not. And I have to admit, in those doubtful days, they gave me a push. Without further ado, let's dive into our second book, Still Like an Artist, subtitled 10 Things Nobody Told You About Being Creative, by Austin Kleon. Let's start by introducing our author. Austin Kleon is a writer who draws. He makes art with words and books with pictures. He's the author of the best-selling books, Newspaper Blackout, and our lovely trilogy, Still Like an Artist, Show Your Work, and Keep Going. You can find a number of his talks at TEDx, Google, South by Southwest, and Pixar on YouTube. You can also find him on Twitter, at Austin Kleon, and on his website, austincleon.com. Now, the book is written to follow an artist's early journey, from answering where do ideas come from, to copying and at the end of all of it, sharing the work. As always, you don't need to be a creative person in the literal sense to get value out of this book. As Austin says, these ideas apply to anyone who is trying to inject some creativity into their life and their work. This should describe all of us. So, let's get started. I break down the book into four sections. The myth of originality, the importance of input, the creative process, and sharing the work. Let's start with the myth of originality. Every artist gets asked, where do you get your ideas? The honest answer would be, I steal them. You look into the world for what's worth stealing. You grab what's worth it and move on. This points out something very important. There is nothing original. It's just that we don't know the references. Every work is built on something else. This is the core premise of the whole book. If you embrace it, you won't have to suffer through trying to be original, but rather, you will focus on being your authentic self. This leads us to what creates your ideas. Just like how your parents and ancestors' genes determine your mix, your mentors, friends, choice of books, music, and activities determine what comes out of your mind, and the quality of what comes out is correlated with the quality of the input. As anyone who did any software simulation or modeling knows, garbage in, garbage out. So, how do you start creating a good input? Well, the first key is curiosity. It's about having questions, looking them up, letting the rabbit hole take you, and enjoying the process. A dear friend of mine is a master of following rabbit holes. 
he would read a tweet or a statement somewhere. And then, oops, six hours later and 30 plus tabs open, he would be telling me the most fascinating things about the world. So, do you have a question? Google it. Check YouTube if you don't want to read. Found some interesting links? Save them for a future reference. This also relates to the podcast tagline. Be curious, be critical. I want you to have questions, look into things, and devour as much knowledge as you can. After getting all the input, the key is to be critical. Analyze what you just read, watched, or heard. Does it make sense? Is it contradicting another idea that you have? Is there a different way or place to apply this knowledge? One of my goals is while you're listening to these episodes, is to question what I'm saying. Check the show notes for links and extra notes that didn't make it into the episode. And whether you agree or disagree with me, I would love to hear from you. So, curiosity is the foundation for a good input. Let's see how we can find mentors. You start by finding someone that you really like, and just follow and devour their knowledge, style, and content. Then, look into another three people that this mentor like, and repeat. In a way, you will build your tree of mentors, starting with one, then branching out of them, and repeating the process. For me, this was finding Tim Ferriss back in 2017 or 2018. He introduced me to Stoic Philosophy, Ryan Holiday, Naval Ravikant, and many great people that I consider my mentors. For you, your mentor could be a family member, a colleague, or like me, someone that you probably won't meet. Your mentorship could be formal in the sense that both of you, your mentor and you, the mentee, acknowledge the relationship. A piece of advice from Tim is to look for a mentor that doesn't necessarily give you answers, but rather gives you a better way of looking for one. So, instead of saying this is the way, they could say, well, let me walk you through the process of how I could have done it. I'll link to the video where he points out to the whole process of finding a great mentor. On a side note, Tim has a whole book titled Tribe of Mentors. There, he reached out to top performers in the world in every field. They gave answers to questions like, what are the one to three books that greatly influenced your life? Two of my favorites are, do you have a favorite failure of yours? And, when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do? I highly recommend reading the book. Now, coincidentally, the idea of the tree of mentors reminded me of a quote by Naval about how to start reading. He said, read what you love till you love what you read. So, you start with what's fascinating to you. Sci-fi, romance, fantasy, or whatever you love. Eventually, you would want more. So, you go up into nonfiction and science. And you keep climbing this knowledge tree till you can pick any book and start reading it. Since we mentioned earlier the garbage in, garbage out, what to read matters as well. For Naval, you should read microeconomics, game theory, psychology, persuasion, ethics, mathematics, and computers. And these should give you a very strong foundation to better understand yourself and the universe. I'll link to his podcast as well as his reading recommendation in the show notes. The last key on quality input, and a very important one, is the quality of people around you. Again, quoting Tim Ferriss, you're the average of the five people you associate with the most. These five could influence everything in you, from simple things like favorite restaurants, 
to major ones such as your view on money, political party affiliation, how you spend your free time, and maybe even your partner preferences. At the end of all of this, to optimize your input, you should be curious, be critical, have mentors, read quality books, and choose your close friends wisely. Now, when the ideas start flowing in you, they will need to get out. So you should start making stuff. You shouldn't wait till you know who you are or what your niche is. But we saw how resistance can be tricky to battle. If you're asking, how do I start? Well, you copy. You copy the work that you love. Don't pass others' work as your own, but reverse engineer it and add your personal touch. Remember your tree of mentors? Copy their work. Internalize their styles till you find your own voice and breakthrough. As Kobe Bryant said, I have stolen all of these moves from all these great players. I just try to do them proud, the guys who came before, because I learned so much from them. It's all in the name of the game. It's a lot bigger than me. So copy and transform it into your own work. As you copy, there will be a faint glow of your style being developed. Here, you will start to question, what should I create now? Just like Naval's advice on reading what you love, you should create what you love. Start by creating the story that you want to read, the music that you want to hear, build the app that you want to use, the business that you want to run, or in my case, the podcast that I want to listen to. Now, let's move into the third section and see how you can improve your creative process. The first tip is to simply use your hands, but not on a keyboard and a laptop, but rather using pens and paper. When creating ideas, engaging as many senses as possible is the optimum environment for ideas to flow in. So if possible, introduce analog into your process. Have some pens, a whiteboard, sticky notes, and paper lying around. Whenever you are in need of creating ideas, use them. Scribble on the side. Stand while working. Have some arrows connecting ideas all over your papers. And when you're done, transfer it to your computer and start working. The second tip for your lovely process is to always have some side projects and hobbies. For hobbies, in my opinion, they are a necessity in anyone's life. You should have a hobby or two that you do just for yourself. You do them to wind down, empty your mind, and to recharge your soul. As for having multiple side projects at once, this falls under productive procrastination. Let's see a few examples. If you're learning to code and you're giving it your 100%, when you meet a wall and procrastinate, you'll stop it for a bit. And if you don't have a hobby to recharge, the sense of guilt of stopping will set in and resistance will take control. Now, if instead you're learning to code and photography, for example, when you stall on coding, you can move on to photography. This sense of making progress will recharge you into getting back to coding. A second example is from reading books. From our first series, the last book, Persuasion, was the toughest to complete. I procrastinated on it for days. So what I did was I picked up a fiction book. At the time, I chose Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, which I highly recommend listening to the audiobook. Reading a fiction book helped me wind down and ease myself back into reading persuasion. So, when reading books, pick a few that you think you will like. Have a fiction book on standby. And whenever you get bored from one, 
just move to the next one. Our third tip to help with the creative process is to embrace boredom. Boredom isn't having anything to do. It's when the available options aren't satisfying enough. You need to be bored in order for your mind to have a chance to work and for ideas to connect. The best ideas come when we are doing boring activities, washing dishes, hoovering the floor, folding our clothes, or simply staring at the wall. I will link to a video on YouTube by Vertasium titled Why Boredom is Good for You. A nice quote from Franz Kafka, the German author, says, It isn't necessarily that you leave home. Sit at your desk and listen. Don't even listen. Just wait. Don't wait. Be still and alone. The world will offer itself to you. So, try to be bored every now and then. Disconnect your phone and laptop and just sit down. And as Austin says in the book, Keep Going, airplane mode can be a way of life. If your house is too noisy, then go for a walk. Don't listen to music or a podcast. Just listen to your voice and thoughts. And maybe, just maybe, the moose will come down and tell you a secret. Our next tip is to keep your day job. It will give you financial cushion, provide you with social interactions, and most importantly, establish a routine for you. As Austin says, establishing and keeping a routine can be even more important than having a lot of time. Inertia is the death of creativity. I'll go further and say, without routine, you can't establish any new habits, review your life direction, or measure your current progress. We'll come back again to daily routines when we cover the last book of the series, Keep Going. Talking about routines, the next tip is having a physical calendar. This is how you can apply it. Take an A4 paper, make a table, write the things you want to commit to in rows, and the days of the month in columns. Going on a walk, practicing a new language for 20 minutes, studying or reading 10 pages every day, exercising or meditating. Whatever you want, just write them down. In front of each activity, have a box for each day. Your job becomes to just cross that box by the end of the day. Our minds can understand the compound effect of long-term goals and habits. This calendar will help you keep the chain in mind. In the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, there is a graph that shows the difference of improving and declining 1% per day for a whole year. The mathematical expression is as follows. Staying the same over the course of a year would be 1 to the power of 365, which equals to 1. Nothing changed. Now, declining by 1% will be 0.99 to the power of 365, which equals to 0.03. This means if your skill was at 100%, you will only have 3% by the end of the year. Now, how much do you think improving by 1% each day for a year would return? It would be 1.01 to the power of 365, which equals to 38 times the improvement. So, have your physical calendar and make tiny steps each day. Keep pushing your flywheel from the previous episode. Trust me, it will pay off. Our next tip will introduce us to a new law. Parkinson's law says that work gets done in the time available. So if you put 10 days to read a book, you will probably use all of them. 
If you put three, you can probably finish it in three. The trick is not to be so lax that you stretch everything and not to be unrealistic that you never meet any of your goals. Use the Agile framework. It was created for software development. It calls for continuous improvement and flexibility as you're working on the project. So for you, when you set a goal, keep measuring your progress. If a method isn't working, then learn and be adaptive. Don't wait till the end to review and course correct for the next one. The idea of applying business principles to individuals comes from the book Zero to One by Peter Thiel, which I mentioned in the previous episode, and I'm planning to cover in a future episode. So, stay tuned. Our final tip for your creative process is to understand what's important and what to leave out. In our first episode of Predictably Irrational, we mentioned how we have an irrational tendency to leave all our options open. This gives us choice paralysis and we lose focus on what's really important. At the time, my advice was to use the 80-20 principle, which is still applicable. Choose what 20% can really deliver your message and leave the rest. In a way, this is the essence of the TLDR show. It's about subtracting any book to its core ideas. So yeah, choose wisely and have fun. Now, you started copying. You're working on side projects and hobbies. And you start producing some work. The next step and the final section of our book is to share it with the world. We're not talking about showing it to a small group of friends and asking for opinion. You should be letting it out to the whole world. The good news is when you are unknown, there is no public image to maintain or a huge paycheck on the line. It's just you and your work. Also, you will eventually get some negative things said to you. We talked about how to face criticism in the war of art, and we will discuss it again in the next book, Show Your Work. But now, I would like to share a different piece of advice here. The Man in the Arena is an excerpt of a speech delivered by Theodore Roosevelt, the American president. It talks about the ones who deserve credit, the ones who are doing the work despite the critics, success, or failure. It goes like this. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of the deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows, in the end, the triumph of high achievement, and who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. To wrap things up, the book opens with a quote from Pablo Picasso, Art is theft. Today, we talked about the myth of originality. It's a shackle that's tying down a lot of people and preventing them from starting their work. We moved from there onto how we can get ideas. The keys for quality input are curiosity, having great mentors, reading books, and having quality people around you. From there, we talked about starting work by copying our mentors, 
We keep copying till we start to create our own style and ideas start to flow in. Here we learn some tips to help us in the creative process, from using analog and boredom to Parkinson's law and the agile framework. And we wrap all of this by sharing our work with the world. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know which parts were useful to you. Did you use any of the tips for your creative process? Send me your thoughts and stories over Twitter and Instagram at The LDR Show. Next week, we will cover the third book of this series, Show Your Work, and continue our journey and have a very nice boxing lesson. As always, make sure to check the website at tldr-show.com for the show notes, links to social media, episode transcript, and the extra good stuff. Till next time, be curious, be critical. <laughs>